Let's go. You are listening to Dollars and Sensibility, the podcast that explores the numbers, concepts, and behaviors that shape your financial life. Hosts, business partners, and friends, Bill McBride and Andrew Martz are financial advisors in Hollywood, California, that for a combined 35 years have helped thousands of individuals and businesses better their financial futures. Here, they want to open these discussions to you, the listener, share the many things they have learned, and of course, how to be sensible about your dollars. Hey, welcome back to the Dollars and Sensibility podcast with Andrew and Bill. How are you today, sir? Doing well. How are you doing, Andrew? Doing fantastic. It is uh, one of my favorite times of the year where you get this beautiful cross-pollination of football, basketball, baseball. It is just a sports fanatic's dream. Indeed. Every night there is a game to watch. So it got me thinking about sports and and. I was an athlete growing up and sports are often an analogy that I'll use to not only reference life, but certainly my financial life. And it got me thinking in sports, the most recognizable figures are usually like high scorers or high profile position players. And there's probably no better example than football, right? So in football, we remember the names of our favorite quarterbacks and running backs and wide receivers. These are the guys who are they're getting all the accolades. They get the MVP awards. They're being voted into the Hall of Fame. But but what about Jahari Evans? Tell me about Jahari Evans. So Jahari Evans <laughs> is, is an offensive uh, guard. He spent nine years with the New Orleans Saints, 11 seasons in the NFL. And he had four all-pro seasons, 2009 to 2012. And in those years, the Saints ranked first, sixth, first, and second in NFL total, total yards. And they would rank first in the NFL yardage for four other times while Jahari was a starter. So oftentimes, you know, the Saints are known for players like Drew Brees. And oftentimes he's credited with a lot of their success as he should be. He's an unbelievable athlete and an unbelievable leader. But Brees would not have been able to lead the Saints to a Super Bowl in several seasons as a top contender if it wasn't for his pass protection and a clean pocket. And Evans was the one right in front of him. And during his era was unarguably one of the best pass protecting guards in the league. Imagine like your, your financial life Mm -hmm. was a football team, your career, your main source of income. That would be like the quarterback. It is what leads your financial life. You got to have income right? It is what you identify as. It's what you identify with. Oftentimes quarterbacks are, are captains of our teams, not always, but, but oftentimes um, our investments. So like our investment portfolios, our stocks, our bonds, things like that. I always feel like those would be our wide receivers, right? <laughs> Think about it. Like they're exciting. They're, you know, super fun. Everybody wants to draft like the OBJ or the Chad Johnsons of the world. Right. Um, big plays like, oh my God, this is the best. And that's often how we feel about our investments or they're just like, total clunkers and the worst and you never remember them and they get traded from your team. Right. The, uh, your, your, your savings accounts, right. Your, and your savings programs, that would be like you're running back, right. Just plowing through working the line, wearing down the defense. Just it's, it's the backbone of everything else that you do because you, you got it to set up all your other position players to set up anything else in your financial life. You have to have a savings, right. You got to have a cushion. You got to have a backbone. 
But that front line, the Jahari Evans of the world, they kind of <laughs> remind me of my tax strategy and my tax planning. And the reason I started thinking about this was because players like this aren't getting the accolades. It's maybe he gets voted to the hall of fame. I, I certainly would vote for him, but it's, it's not likely he's not remembered, you know, outside of his core fan base. It's not a name that people are going to be familiar with, but he's undoubtedly one of the greatest players to play the game. And he was involved in every single offensive play, right? Every single play. Right. And your taxes are much like this. It's something that most people think about once a year. They think about when they got, when their CPA sends them the email and says, Hey, I need all your W2s, 1099s and your expenses. They think about it on April 15th when they have to actually pay that tax bill or when they get the refund in the check or in their bank account. But after April until January or February of the, the next year, mm. It's not something that people are thinking about on a day-to-day -day basis. And I wanted to spend some time today to just talk about the importance, not only that taxes can play in your financial strategy, but really maybe just some awareness of things, uh, you know, other than just your income tax, right? Which is obviously what we're going to focus um, today a lot on. So I really wanted to start with this idea that taxes are involved in every single play that you make. Absolutely. Well, I, I love this analogy too, because I, I've often used, I'm, I'm having trouble converting from the analogy that I often use with football and investments, which is you are the owner of the team, right? You pick a financial advisor for the team. I usually position that as me, right? And then I pick a quarterback, a wide receiver, offensive tackle and, and all that kind of uh, the team, right? Yep. The team players, and then execute each play. We're not going to win this. Are you, Super Bowl the, are you the quarterback or the coach? Coach. Coach. Right? So, owner is the client. I'm the coach. I'm picking the players and the offensive coordinators and running you know, the strategy, i.e., mutual fund managers and, and different stocks, right? Right. Um, but, you know, I like the idea of the tax strategy being on the front line of, of, the, of the offense, right? Correct. And, the odd thing about this is where I go to is on that April 15th meeting with your tax advisor. If there's something that you don't like about it, meaning you're not getting enough in taxes back, then you're mad and you want to fire that person, right? You want to fire that tax strategist. Right. I, and the reality is if you walk into that meeting and you have to pay taxes and you're mad and you're upset, there's off the other, you know, kind of catch that is you can't do anything about it at that point. Right. And, and it doesn't mean that they're a poor tax advisor because they did that. Right. It, it could mean that they're the best tax advisor on earth, but they just didn't manage your expectations over the course of the year with, you know, this new tax law we just had. Right. Right. So uh, they said uh, four out of seven people benefited. I'm sorry. Four out of seven people didn't believe that they benefited from the tax laws. And they, in reality, when you get down to the dollars and cents of it, they actually had. Right. Right. So, you know, it's uh, obviously that's what we're talking about today. It's important to have a, a good tax strategy. So kind of just a, like a high level overview of, of some different tax things. I, I think it's important to just one, understand what gets taxed. So we know that we have to file taxes in April. So we're paying income tax. When you pay income tax, you pay income tax both to the federal government, 
and you pay taxes to your state. If there are state taxes involved in a state, you may live in a state where taxes to no, no state income tax state, places like Florida or Texas. Um, but beyond just your, your federal and your state taxes, um, there are things like sales tax. So every time you buy a cup of coffee, every time you go out to dinner, every time you, you know, go shopping, you are paying some form of sales tax, which impacts, it's going to impact literally every single transaction, every single decision that you make. There's, it means that there's taxes involved. Although it impacts them, we don't consider it. Right, right. It, it, unless you're maybe for the larger purchases, right? If right. you're buying a car or something like that. But you know, when it comes to buying that, buying that sofa or that television or or consumer non cyclicals, anything that you're going to buy and hold on to for a little while, uh, you're not going. Hey, you know what? I'm I'm I might as well cross the border and drive over to Texas to go get this. <laughs> so funny story. This is a true story, by the way. So a couple of years ago, uh, my wife and I, we went to Ohio for her sister's wedding and we're in Ohio. We're there for about a week or so. And I wanted some, some new dress shoes for the wedding. So we go to Nordstrom, we pick out these, these new shoes and we buy them and they're great. And if you know anything about Nordstrom's return policy, it has the greatest right. return policy known to man. And when I got back to Los Angeles, there was, there was like a bubble, like a little like imperfection on the shoe that I, I hadn't noticed when we were in Ohio. So I went to the local Nordstrom here in California to return the shoe. Tell me you got it back plus tax. No, they made me pay the, there's a higher tax in California. They made <laughs> me pay the difference. I was pissed. What? Yeah. So, so you got a new pair of shoes that didn't have the bubble. Didn't have the bubble. But you paid another eight and a quarter percent. The difference, whatever the difference yeah. in tax between California and Ohio is that. I don't yeah. remember what the Ohio tax is. All I knew it was lower, yeah, I, yeah. you know, and I had to pay like 14 bucks. And I was like, really? <laughs> Did that make you mad, Andrew? I mean, in the moment. <laughs> when you start looking at, at taxes, I thought it'd be kind of cool to just review and analyze the different areas that you know, as you're preparing for taxes, things to, to think about. So when you're talking to your CPA, it's my opinion that you don't need to be a tax expert. You don't need to know how to file taxes and fill out all the tax forms, but you should have a working knowledge of the different components that goes into preparing and, uh, you know, working through your taxes. So everything starts with, with your gross income. And this is, this is the big number. This is the, the, the number that you actually made. So what are, what are some things that are, that are included in, in gross income bill? Rental income, well, your W-2 or 1099. If you're working a nine to five job or an eight to eight job, uh, your employer gives you a 1099 at so the end of the your year. Your compensation, your right. earnings. Compensation, uh, alimony, right? on gross income, uh, annuity or pension income, social security. Um, what am I missing? I Dividend and interest income from right. your investments, sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, royalty income, unemployment compensation, distributions from your retirement plans. So capital gains, any sort of increase that comes to you. It's all going to be considered gross income. And, but this is not the amount of money that you're paying tax on. The first thing that you, you remove or you deduct from this is what we would refer to as above the line deductions. 
So all this is really saying are, are these are, are special exceptions that we can make to adjust our, our income and land at a, at a number called our adjusted gross income or our AGI, adjusted gross income. So some above the line deductions, things like um, if, you, if you're paying alimony, uh, if you're contributing to a retirement plan, a 401k, an IRA, uh, certain, certain tuition costs for higher education, interest that you're paying on your student loans, these are all considered above the line deductions. It's not a comprehensive list. There are others, but these are probably the most prevalent example of, of above the line deductions. So once you take your gross income, you remove your above the line deductions you have now landed at what is called your adjusted gross income. And above the line is kind of an antiquated term. It really just means taken off the top. Correct. Right away. Right. Hence above the line. <laughs> <laughs> so from uh, here, so your adjusted gross income is a number that's important because now this is going to allow us to determine what you qualify. And really, when I say we, I mean, your, your, your tax professional, your CPA, your accountant, your tax preparer, they're going to be able to determine what you then qualify for, for other additional deductions and or credits. Oftentimes people ask me, Hey, what can I, what can I deduct? What can I take off? And I say, well, hold on a second. Are all these items or all these things you're going to add up going to be above your standard deduction? And that's usually when I'm presented with a deer in headlights look. Right. So what's a, Bill, what's a standard deduction? What does that mean? Standard deduction uh, when you're doing your taxes or, or filing is uh, a number that the IRS gives you where depending on if you're single or married uh, and number of dependents, this is a deduction that you can take off the top of your income. <laughs> I don't know how they come up with the number, but it's, it's a standard deduction. Right. Right? So, so essentially everybody gets this, right? Everybody gets everybody this deduction. Everybody gets this unless you have more than that, then you might want to look at itemizing, right? So let's just say if you- So, so if, important note real quick on standard deductions is that, and you referenced this before, with the new tax bill, right. standard deductions doubled. And really the intention of, of the IRS and the federal government was to reduce the amount of people who are itemizing- their deductions. For example, individual standard deduction used to be $6,000, $12,000 for couples. Now it's $12,000. This was 2018 for an individual $24,000 for a married couple filing jointly. Right. And, and I'm not quite sure I understand the methodology or the practicality behind this because if somebody's itemizing previously when it was a $6,000 deduction, right? What, what the IRS is saying or what the, the new tax law is saying is, hey, before we were getting a lot of people that were itemizing a $15,000 worth of deductions, right? Therefore, they qualified for not using the standard because they were over that standard. Correct. Right? So I, I think what they're only eliminating with this new standard deduction is the gap, right? Between six and 12,000. Uh, yes, but also, and we may or may not get into all this detail today, but the, yeah. the qualification, what you can now deduct also changed the right. so things that were previously being deducted that may have put you at a $15,000 number. You are no longer allowed to deduct. Right. That's huge. Big. Yeah. 
So standard deduction, everybody gets it. You know, I would say that this is, this is the the majority of people out there. You are probably using a standard deduction. People who are, who are itemizing, uh, are probably going to have higher expenses in one of these following categories. So first, really high medical expenses. So medical expense is, can be a, an itemized deduction only if it exceeds seven and a half percent of your adjusted gross income. So that first seven, let's say you make your adjusted gross income is $100,000. The first $7,500 of medical expenses is non-deductible. But if you spend $10,000 in medical expenses, that, that $2,500, that's over and above the 7.5%, that $2,500 would be a deductible expense. When it comes to medical expenses, it's a tough one, right? Because there, there's some interpretation there, right? So if you, if you hand your CPA medical receipts for $15,000, and in your example, you made $100,000, Okay, the, if you've got those fifteen thousand dollars worth of receipts, but you know I, I found uh, physical therapy and and different things may not apply to what the IRS considers medical expenses. So you just got to be very careful there. Yeah, and and every everything be careful everywhere. Everything right? <laughs> today is you, you have to consult you know a tax professional. Absolutely. But again, what we're hoping to do today is really just make some awareness so that you can have better conversations and be more informed as you're preparing, going through the seasons, not just in in the January, February, March leading up to preparing your taxes, but throughout the year as you're making decisions and you're considering. Uh, how, how am I paying for things? How, what, what am I, what choices am I making? Should I go back to school? Hey, a consideration on total cost should be, is there a tax impact as well? Well, what can we do on a daily or weekly or monthly basis? I know we, we've talked before about, about checking in when we did the discussion about momentum, wealth momentum, right? Correct. About checking in every day, every week, every month. What can we do to work on our taxes on a more consistent basis than just, Hey, I want to, I want to put my head in the sand until April 15th every year. Yeah. So on you had, you had made the recommendation uh, of a money date, right? So you have these dates where you are on a monthly basis, let's say you're checking in on your budgets, you're checking in on your savings, you're checking in on your investing. I think taxes need to be just another, you know, another item on that list of to do's that, Again, it, 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 this isn't a comprehensive, you know, sort of program. So I'll give you an example. Uh, when, I'm, when I'm doing my money date at the end of the month, one of the things I'm doing is I'm looking at my expenses throughout that particular month. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm tagging and I'm flagging certain expenses that will qualify for some sort of tax benefit. Hey, maybe this is a deduction. Hey, maybe this is, can incentivize me for a tax credit. Um, so th those are some things that I, I personally do to help kind of work on that tax planning throughout the year. So this way, when it gets to January, February, March, I already have the data to say, hey, for medical expenses, I, I know exactly how much money I spent this year. And I'm not going to try to force myself to spend more money just to get a deduction. But hey, if it works out that I spent, that I spent enough that it exceeds what, what is, you know, um, deduction i'm gonna i'm gonna use that i'm gonna use that as as an additional write-off yeah and you know if you get close to the end of the year and you've got that non-urgent surgery or procedure that you need to get done 
you know, it, it makes a big difference, right? If it's October and you say, hey, you know, I might need to get this done and this will this will send me over the top where I can then deduct my medical expenses. You know, I think that's that's a green light, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so other things that are itemized deductions, um, state and local taxes. So this is something that maybe not a lot of people are aware of, but your CPA is certainly doing this for you. Most tax preparation software will do this automatically, but state and local income, uh, state and local taxes are available deduction, real estate taxes, um, interest on home mortgages. Now this is interesting because this is another thing that has recently changed. The, the amount that qualifies has recently come down from a million dollars to 750,000, which is significant in places like Los Angeles, California, yeah, anywhere in California, or if you live in a, in an area where home prices are uh, higher than average. So why would this impact you? How is this going to impact your decision-making? Well, maybe you're, you're looking at purchasing a home that exceeds, you know, $1.5 million and to qualify for this and to, you know, avoid primary mortgage insurance, you're going to come in with 20% and you say, Hey, well, I'll just finance the rest of it. Maybe, maybe, and again, there's a lot of factors that come into this, but maybe you put down more because you're not going to get any additional tax benefit on the interest of that loan. There may be other factors where you say, hey, the, the financing is low enough and the rates are low right. enough where I want to finance and maximize that. But but again, thinking through the the tax benefit should just be another variable that you're aware of as you're making a decision like purchasing a home, which is, you know, it's a lot of people's, it's one of their largest investments they make. Well, the beauty of the tax law is that, and the home deduction is that there's an X, Y axis there and you can find that number. Exactly. Right. Uh, other things, you, you charitable contributions. I know you and I are very charitable throughout our year. So making sure you not only have uh, some records, but oftentimes you want to make sure that you have uh, receipts and or confirmation from an entity that you're you're contributing to. And, and really to receive those benefits, charitable contributions, this just doesn't mean you giving money to anybody but to a a 501c3 nonprofit organization that qualifies for that tax deductible charitable giving. And and, and that's just an important note to make. And and at the end of the year, organizations um, and nonprofits, and they're going to, they're going to give you a tax statement that says, Hey, you know, Mr. So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so you've given X amount of dollars for this particular tax year. Easiest way I find to, to sort of categorize and, and save all that is most companies or most nonprofits, if you give them money, they will send you an email receipt. Right. Right. You just put that in a folder in your email account and at the end of the year, open the folder, add them up and there you go. Or open the folder, print them, give them to your CPA. Right. So again, not a comp- there are there are other things to consider, you know, certain types of business expenses if you're a business owner. Um, you know, things that, uh, you are using to further the growth of your own business. Hey, these, these are things that may qualify you for additional itemized deductions. Um, but it's, it's important that, you know, listen, this is really easy to find. Um, I'm going to teach you a trick, go to any computer that has an internet connection, go to www.google.com and type in qualified itemized deductions. And you're going to find tons and tons and tons of lists out there. And use that as a reference point as you're having these conversations with your tax professional. 
Not only not only at tax time, but throughout the year. I think the number came in at four billion. The last I heard of people of dollars that people missed in itemized deductions. That's a massive number. Yeah. Massive number. And last thing for you, business owners, big tax change, something uh, known as qualified business income, or often referred to as QBI, qualified business income. So this was a um, something that came out in the Tax Cut Jobs Act 2017. It was created and it applies to the owners of pass-through entities. So LLCs, S-Corps, it's up to a 20% deduction of income on your business activity. Now there are certain limitations and qualifications that may apply, but this is huge. This is, you know, I, I think the IRS and the federal government are doing this really to incentivize entrepreneurship and business practices. It's, it's to say, hey, you know, whether you're going out and doing a side hustle or you're going out and venturing on your own for the first time, you know, we want to make sure that small businesses are healthy in America. So let's give some tax incentives to, um, you know, to the, the income tax that they're paying. Absolutely. So oftentimes, um, you know, you had said before that people get so mad on, you know, when they have that final meeting with their CPA, either got to pay this or I'm getting back less than I, I expected. Right. The reality of taxes are there are things you cannot control and there are things you can control. And the things that people can control, they sometimes don't understand that they can control them. So in, in that story where people would get back, let's say you got back uh, $400 traditionally on your, on your tax return. And then after the new tax law act of 2017, you all of a sudden got back $200. Uh oh, now, right now you're mad at your CPA, but because you didn't structure your dependents any differently in the previous year, every paycheck, you've got $40 more twice, right. a, twice a month, right? What's 40 times two 80, right? $80 a month. And then that's $960 a year. So you made $960 a year more net of taxes, but you got $200 less back. Do that math, right? You actually made $760 more because of these, these new tax laws, but you don't believe it, right? Because the $40 is so negligible and that, that big check on April 15th, that's the one you really want. Is this the Krispy Kreme effect? It is. Hey, go check out the episode on the Krispy Kreme effect to understand the optics of people. I love that tie-in. Optics. Per misperceiving yourself. So what, <laughs> what, what can I control? What can I control when it comes to, to taxes? Estate, uh, estate tax. I, I recall, I think it was 2010 was the year to die. Do you remember that? <laughs> Where the, um, the estate tax was uh, eliminated, right? So... There was no estate tax uh, in 2010. If you passed away during that year, you could pass $50 million to your beneficiaries without them having to pay anything. Unbelievable. Yeah. And, and what, what are estate taxes today? Well, well now they can be up to about 50%. Yeah. Right? And I think it's uh, 5.3 million, right? If you, if you have a, a, an estate over 5.3 million, which is mostly, you know, what we deal with a lot in California Right is so and, no that that number again along with standard deductions is double for a married couple. Nope. So so individuals 
12.1 married couple. It's close to $24 million. And the lesson here with that is tax laws can change at any time, right? Right. So we just saw a, a recent change within the past two, three years. And with estate tax, um, you know, that changes every year. So you got to keep abreast of, of really what's going on um, and what's included in that. You know, if that's a problem for you in, in terms of, or a concern, which it should be really for, for anybody with children or beneficiaries that they, that they care about passing money on to, you got to get back into that and, and take, a, take a deeper dive. Right. What can you control? Uh, I think you can also control when you pay taxes. Often we talk about contributing to qualified retirement plans. Mm -hmm. And really the whole idea there is I am, I am deferring the taxes I'm paying today. So I can, I can take a taxable deduction. Again, we talked about it earlier, the above the line deduction or the top line deduction. And I can, the, the money I would have paid taxes on today, I can invest that. I can grow it tax deferred, which means each and every year I'm not paying taxes on things like interest income or capital gains. And later in life, 20, 30, 40 years down the road, as I start to use this money, now I can pay taxes as I distribute this money, but I can control to some extent when and how much I'm distributing to myself. And the theory really is that, you know, when I retire, that my income will be lower than when I'm, when I'm working. So in this country, our tax system is, you know, a marginal bracket system, which means the more you make, the higher rate that you pay. So if I can defer taxes out until retirement where I'm making less money, now I'm paying less tax on the same dollars I earned when I should have been charged a higher rate. Assuming the tax rates are the same as when you were earning that money, right? Number one. Correct. And my rule of thumb, um, just a, as a side note to the retirement contribution and distribution, contributions in January, distributions in December. And I always tell people that. And the reason being is that if you're going to make a contribution for 2019 for your 2019 tax year, don't wait until the last day of April 15th, 2020, which is the last day that you can actually do it. Get that money working for you on January 1st of 2019 as soon as you can. Conversely, if you're taking a distribution from your IRA and you're over retirement age at 59 and a half, take the money out in December because that leaves you 12 months where your money can be growing. Agreed? Agreed. What else? So uh, tax credits. Tax credits are different than, than tax deductions. Tax credits are things that you have to qualify for. Um, it can reduce the income tax owed dollar for dollar. So a lot of times these are some of the most powerful tax tools that you can use. Uh, they will have limitations on income. Um, many of them are going to be indexed on to inflation, but you know, things like the American education opportunity credit. So it is essentially a credit that goes on to your taxes dollar for dollar that you can reduce if you are using funds to, to go back to school for higher education, right? So again, certain types of, of tax strategies will benefit you more. So taking advantage of those to help control the amount of taxes you're paying 
I think is, is invaluable. And that is the, that tax credit is we should differentiate from the student loan deduction. Correct. Right. right. Which would be on the interest that you're paying on your, your student loans. Right. Um, I think this is, this has been a really kind of a fun conversation, but you know, when fun it comes to taxes, when, yeah, fun with taxes <laughs> and Jiree Evans, uh, when it comes to taxes, you know, my hope is that people shouldn't be scared of them. Um, know that you can control them. Know that you want to pay as, as little as you have to, but taxes are going to, what are the only guarantees in life? Death and taxes. Death and taxes. Right. I mean, these, these are the two inevitabilities. So um, know that you have control. There are strategies out there for you and, and make it a part of your, your monthly conversation. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, this has been Andrew and Bill with another episode of Dollars and Sensibility. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Dollars and Sensibility podcast. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you can join us for each and every episode. Follow us on social media at WIS Advisors and be sure to check out our website at wisadvisors.com. Tune in for the next step on the bridge between dollars and the mind of the sensible investor. Thanks for listening. Bill McBride and Andrew Mars are investment advisor representatives and registered representatives with Western International Securities Incorporated. All the opinions expressed by Andrew, Bill, and all podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Western International Securities. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Western International Securities may maintain positions discussed in this podcast.